0: reports every day of good things that God is doing. I mean, I told you it was going to happen. I know that we already did that, but but I am so excited. I can't, look, there are so many of you that you've gotten raises, you've gotten bonuses, you've gotten promotions, you've gotten unexpected checks in the mail. Some of you are like, I'm waiting on mine. Look, I'm waiting on mine too, okay? But I'm, I'm rejoicing with you. I'm excited for you. Amen. I, I, I will probably share this at the end of the service, uh, just kind of to remind you, I'll let you see the picture, but how many of you remember the van that I told you about, that the church got, I've got a picture of it, I'll show it to you at the end of the service, just amazing, amazing, and then today, literally, as I'm standing over there talking to Josh Cooper, right before the service, I get a text from a guy that I did a faith promise service for, his name's Brother Fugit. I did a faith promise service for two years ago, Okay, two years ago. It's the first Faith Promise service they'd ever had. They started giving to missions more than they had ever given before. And this is what he texted me this morning, 9.51 a.m. He says, hey, brother, I just wanted to share with you how God has blessed our church through Faith Promise. He said, we had a man give our church four brand new houses that we are going to start renting out. Faith Promise has been such a blessing to our church. Just wanted to share that. God bless you, Brother Fugit. Come on, somebody. You can't out give God. I wonder how much God can trust you with. Hallelujah. God's going to bless somebody. It might as well be you. <laughs> Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Amen. And last night I didn't even realize that this was sitting on my desk at home. How many of you know what this is? This is the Pentecostal Life magazine, right? And uh, I was excited. I got it. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I'm going to look at that whenever I get a second, right? So last night I get a text from somebody, and they, they texted me a picture that was in the Pentecostal Life magazine. I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I kind of know those people. Guess who it is? It's the October 2017 uh, Guatemala trip. The missions trip from our church is going out. To all of the churches and all of the ministers in the United Pentecostal church. Come on, somebody. Little old Radcliffe. Woo! Amen. God is good. You have a right to be proud of your church. Amen. And we're so thankful for our missionaries. We've got global missionaries here today. Uh I, I'm not going to tell you uh, very much. I'm just going to let them because I don't want to. I don't want to hinder them. But we are related by marriage, distant cousin. We, it's it's all good. We got a blood relative or two between us. Uh, but we really had not spent much time together until just uh, the, this year. Really, I met him at General Conference. We talked again a little bit of because of the times, and then we uh, saw him on Friday and the wedding last uh, two years ago, three years ago. Oh, has it? four years ago. Oh, before this, three years ago, this past October, right? Wow. Time flies. Time flies. I won't tell you how he was acting at the wedding, Uh, but we had a great time, and I'm so thankful that they're here. You're going to really enjoy, brother and sister, John and Sherry Hemis today, and uh, we are glad that they are with us. How many of you would just stand and welcome them? Amen. Everybody say, God bless the Hemises.
1: Keep clapping, keep worshipping, keep praising, keep loving Him. Come on, show Him how you feel. Truly show Him how you feel. Are you blessed? Are you glad to be here? Put a smile on your face, lift your hands to heaven and worship God. Bless your name, Jesus. We truly do bless you and thank you. Thank you, Pastor Domet, for your introduction and letting us be a sister, Kathy. It's wonderful to see you again. We do go to weddings together. We do go into buildings.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Folks, God bless you all. Please take your seats. I'm just looking at this building here. I've seen worse settlement cracks. You realise this, don't. This is nothing. This is not a problem. It's not a problem. In fact, you could take that down. It ain't going to go anywhere. And all you've got to do is get these two by sixes. You see, what I love about what I was looking at this morning, I was kind of praying before the service and I was standing over here and I looked up. We, we grow in God by pressure. The word translates to tribulation. We don't like the word tribulation, but we can le- we can live with the word pressure. Well, what's happened here? You've had some pressure on the roof.
2: <laughs>
1: Have you learned your lesson yet? You've had a little bit of pressure and what happens when you get pressure in certain places it exposes weaknesses. <laughs> oh. And we don't like that pressure because it makes us feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? But what, in, what God's doing in His mercy is exposing the weakness so that He can be healed of it. Mm. This is easy, isn't it? And, I, and what I love about this is even better. <laughs> What I love about the support system is that you can break this support system down and reuse it to take what the damage is and repair it completely. <laughs> now this is easy to preach in here this morning, Pastor. <laughs> You've got, I've even got like displays and things I can preach about, and been, <laughs> I got visual effects. <laughs> I was going to play the DVD, but I don't think I'm going to play that now. I don't think it's, uh, it's necessary, I, I, unless you want me to. It's a seven minute... You, your cousin's in the DVD, if you want me to show your cousin. She's a lot better looking. Yeah, right, okay. Because uh, it, it literally says what we're doing. I'm a missionary to England. Uh, obviously, you can tell by now I'm not from Kentucky. <laughs> I don't talk about that yet and and say over there and how y'all doing and is that, do you say y'all in Kentucky, you do? I don't say y'all whatsoever, I mean I I sound strange if I try to say y'all so bear with me this morning, I am actually speaking English, (laughs) I am, I speak the real English Because every person I've met so far, even last week preaching in Kentucky, we preached in East Kentucky, uh, up the hills, it was wild, coal mines and you name it. But the one thing that really amazed me was the way they spoke. Because the the one lady said to me, She went, You've got an accent. (laughs) And I looked at this lady and went, Have you heard the way you speak? (laughs) And you think I've got an accent? And I said actually, and I had to correct her unfortunately, but I did, I said look I speak the original English so I actually don't have an accent because I'm speaking the original. So anything that changes from the original has the accent. And she went well I haven't got an accent. I said my goodness me lady, you get the worst one I've ever heard. (laughs) I mean, So welcome to Kentucky. Just briefly, anyway, let me get back to where I'm supposed to be going. I like wandering a little bit, but, you know. Uh, Just quickly, the video just shows uh, what we've been doing. Uh, You can see uh, we've got a building project thing over there. If you see what we've done, we started in an old, smelly little building that was falling down. Nothing, this is simple. Ours was falling down. We had mushrooms growing on the inside of the walls. I mean, we had great stuff. Damp, stunk, your eyes burnt when you walked in there. We went to eight ladies, uh, lovely, precious, eight ladies that have been there for years in this old, stinky old building. So if you go back, you'll see that we've gone from a stinky old building to building a a brand new church and turned the old stinky building into 12 offices and a conference room. We've built training rooms. We've built a majorly brand new youth center and uh, uh, Sunday school rooms. Uh, Baptized nearly 400 people since we've been there in in England. Um, Seen the miraculous. God has used us to lay hands upon a man that was about to die and he came back to life. I mean, that stuff freaks you out, but it's awesome. I'm serious. If you step out and try stuff, it'll blow your mind what God will do through you. So the awesome things we've seen, we've seen cancers and leukemia, heart congestive failure, diabetes. We've even got physical doctor's records, the proof of what has happened. So working in the kingdom of God is the most exciting, wonderful, blessed privileged, honoured place that any human being could ever be in, in all of their life so my, my, my wife is my life is with me I was going to say come here life <laughs> this is my help according to the scripture this is the boss basically you know then I just want to tell you a quick thing can I do something here Pastor quick I've, I'm being kind, I'm always kind <laughs>
3: never know
1: what he's going to say. My wife did say to me not long ago, being married to you is exciting because I have no idea what's going to happen next. So I suppose that's kept us for 33 years in in a good marriage because she doesn't know what I'm going to do next. Actually, nor do I. So, Pastor, if I say anything or do anything I shouldn't have done, I'm just apologizing before I do it. But I did read very, very, this is my wife and she's with me and she's standing next to me, kind of. (laughs) Because she doesn't know what's going to happen next. So she might, is there a door over there? Okay, i have going to make sure I can get out of there too. But this is very simple about men and women. We are very, 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 very different. We are complete opposites in everything, the way we think, the way we look, the way we act. There are two genders. There's a male and a female. I am not a female. I am a male. And my wife is not a male. She's a female. And she knows that because she's married to me and we have children. So far, so good. But what I did find out, we've we've got a, a fairly happy marriage. Because I've had to teach my wife what is wrong with men. See, women are perfect. Men were taken out of the dirt of the ground. But women were taken from the side of the man, so she's all human. She's all, all flesh. But men have got a bit of dirt involved in their, in their creation. So women, you're going to have to put up with us as God still works on us, because we're still dirt. Hello? So what I found out, I I read a a wonderful article about, It's a a pastor of a church and he said that, that there are definite scientific proofs of men and women's problems and I want to help you with these issues. So I read it and I was absolutely amazed how truthful it was. Men do not have the same peripheral vision as women do. I don't see what you see. And please, listen to this, you don't see where I see. That's why there's less women get T-boned in car accidents, because they can see where we can't. Okay? So when we go to the fridge, (laughs) and the door's been open for half an hour, and I'm standing looking in the fridge, and I go, honey, where'd you put the mustard? And she goes, second shelf down to the left. She's in the other room. She doesn't even have to come to the kitchen. But what I've taught her, because of my peripheral vision is so different, that what a man has to do is take a couple of steps backwards. Oh, there it is. Because we honestly can't see it. Men, am I telling you the truth? When you get to your sock drawer and you're looking for your socks and you can't see them, my wife now shades, step away from the drawers. <laughs> and then they go, oh, there they are. It's perfect. It works. So give us a break. <laughs> give the guy a pu- And the worst one of all was this. Women speak 20,000 words per day. Men speak 13,000 words per day. So you're all nodding. Going, huh. So when you've come home from work, you've already said all your words. But your wife has got seven thousand words left. Am I helping you? So when it gets about seven o'clock at night, the wife wants to tell you about the world. And we're sitting there going, I've got nothing else left. I am spent my words for the day. God made us that different. So I can never be like my wife, and she can never, ever be like me. Just a second.
3: Amen. God bless you, and thank you. See, I don't have an accent, like you or like him. (laughs) But I am from the same country as you. And uh, funny enough, we have lived there over 16 years, and not a week goes by. That somebody doesn't tell me in England, I love your accent. Oh, I can listen to you speak all day. Oh, I just love it. Say something. (laughs) So it works both ways, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, thank you Pastor and Sister Dummett for having us. It's great to be here. We've been looking forward to it. Our daughter-in-law, Deandra King, is married to our oldest son, Matthew Hemus. So there is the connection. Deandra's grandparents are dummets. So your pastor and Deandra's mother are first cousins. So I don't know if you had Andrew and Denise here at all. No. Okay. Well, they're a great couple, and. Um, very busy. Yes, very busy. (laughs) But we love her daughter-in-law. There aren't too many young ladies that can be transported to another country and just get on with it like it isn't a problem and I have to say our daughter-in-law has done that. Um, A lot of Americans, has anyone been to England, Ireland, Scotland or Wales? Oh, okay, a few of you have, so you you will understand exactly what I'm saying. Americans tend to think that we're very similar because we both speak a form of English, but we are very, very different cultures, and um, we do so many things different uh, from one another. Some of the things we do different, those people who have been there, we drive on the opposite side of the road, We have our steering wheel on the other side of the car. And uh, you know, when you've been driving one way for many years and you try and get your brain to switch, it's not that simple. Did any of you drive over there? Was that an experience? (laughs) His eyes got very big. Take it from us, it's an experience. Um, We use a lot of different words. We don't have gas stations, we have petrol stations. And right now, we're thrilled because we're only paying $7 for a gallon of gas. Last time we did our traveling in America, we were paying about 10. So, you know what? You guys need to just stop complaining about the cost. (laughs) No way. We would love to be paying $3 for a gallon. But that's why all our cars are little. You know, we have to get like 50 miles to the gallon over there or you couldn't afford it. So uh, don't complain. We're a blessed country. We have no idea how blessed we truly are. We use a lot of different words. Um, Our our trunk and the hood of our car, it's called our boot and our bonnet. Our sidewalks are called our path. We don't have trash cans. We have bins. Um, We use different terms. Aluminum is aluminium. Yogurt is yoghurt. Vitamins are vitamins. We even spell words different. But the culture is extremely different. Um, Anybody who knows anything about history knows that there were so many great men Of God that came out of that nation and took the word to the four corners of the earth, basically. They converted so many people, so many preachers, and evangelists, and missionaries. Well, that nation has become void of the word of God. So, another big difference they don't go to church there. It's been at least two generations. They don't attend church. 1% of the entire nation goes to any type of church. So they actually, about 10 years ago, we read in one of the reputable newspapers that they are a post-Christian society. So they've been there, they've done the God thing, and now they've moved on. So we definitely need your prayers. But the really sad part is every time we come back to America, we see America slowly going down that road. We are. I mean, don't put your head in the sand and think it isn't happening. It's happening. We're following along where Europe is right now. And we have the truth. We know what we need to do. So don't let that precious truth go. Thank you. God bless.
1: any problems with the accent <laughs> and I do pray for my wife because she's married to me
2: <laughs>
1: I'm really intrigued by this building I, got, I was sitting there look, sorry wife I've, I, I've got a little bit of ADD only a tiny little bit maybe a lot but I was just figure I've just figured out how to, how to do your ceiling without doing much else piece of cake because a, a roof is put together under, under equal pressures. So when one of, the, one of the equal pressures is weaker, that's where you get pu- joints like that. So all you've got to really do is take the two points of the equal pressure and put the pressure back on the equal points. And you'll get rid of your stress problems. And it would probably take seriously two days to do it. So I was sitting there with a tool belt on, bandana, pair of boots on, up in the attic, redoing your roof for you. Just give, me a, just give me a little break. I'm thinking about how I can do this for you. I'd do it in a heartbeat. That's what I'd, I was a builder for 30-plus years. So I've sat here and gone, "This is easy, so don't, don't think this is going to be a headache for you. Don't let Satan lie to you. It's not going to be as bad as you think it is, and I have done this since I was 16, that is nearly 40 years of being in this business. But I love being able to correlate things like the issues of the weaknesses and how you strengthen weaknesses and how you expose weaknesses. And and I'm going to preach to you this morning just about this. I mean, as I said, I've even got my own display here. This is awesome. So I do, I do take this, uh, I'm, a, I'm a missionary and I've been a preacher for 20 plus years. Um, to be a, a, a missionary is probably the most privileged, most honourable thing I could ever imagine in, in my life being and doing. And to stand at somebody else's pulpit uh, is not a light thing to take. The, what, what comes from a pulpit can change people's lives forever. One word in the wrong direction can send them spiraling, or one word in the right direction can send them to heaven. And that's the, that's the sincerity of what comes from a pulpit. And I've, I've only spent a, as a few hours now with the Dummits, and you've got a special couple. You do. There's no question, no doubt. And I'll tell you this, Pastor AJ Dummy, I have stood at Pulpits in England where Mr. Spurgeon has preached, and I've stood at pulpits where John Wesley has preached. So I don't take this lightly. You're in some big, classy uh, names been involved in standing at a pulpit. So thank you for letting us be here. If you would stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to start in the book of Acts. In chapter 30. It should be probably one of the, the most recognized scriptures. That if you have been born again of water and of the spirit... And you have been filled with the Holy Ghost and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. What I'm about to read to you should be one of the most foremost scriptures that is in your heart and in your mind. So we're starting. Sorry Mr. Technical Man. I'm going to change it just a little bit. You know what? I'm going to start in Acts 2.36. It says, therefore, that all the house of Israel know assuredly that God... ...has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto... ...who? Peter, or Peter, and to the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They are now convicted... He has just preached the gospel to them. And their conviction has got them to ask how they get out of the, uh, the sinful uh, condition of life that they have been in for all of their lives. And then he says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent! And be baptized, every one of you in the name of, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this Untowards generation, and then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. If you would put your Bible down, lift your hands to heaven once more, if you would open your heart, your soul and your spirit to God, whatever would be a hindrance in me today, Jesus, to hear your word. I pray that you would use this vessel of clay, these lips and tongue of clay, God, with the sincerity of a heart, that whatever would be needed from you today, God, that you would bless us. And whatever we need to give unto you today, Father, we would reciprocate just as as you would want us to do. If there's issues of life in my heart God today I release them to you and I know that you would replace that with the love and the peace and the righteousness that we so long need so father again thank you for letting us be here and bless this congregation today in Radcliffe Kentucky and the whole church says together amen and amen God bless you folks please take your seats in Jesus name I love this And it says, unto these men. They gave a name first and said, unto Peter, as you would say. And to the rest of the apostles, they mentioned Peter first. They said to Peter, why did they say to Peter, and then to the rest, what shall we do? When Peter stands in front of them. He's standing on a rooftop, and I've been there in Jerusalem. He's looking down over, uh, over people. He's, there's thousands of people there the day of Pentecost. And he's overlooking thousands of people. And they look to him. I don't know why they, they didn't look to Matthew or anybody else or James or Simon. But they looked to Peter and said to Peter first, and then to the rest of them, how do we get out of this conviction? You've pricked our hearts. I know and can see that I need to do something to change my life and the sins of my life. When this man stands there and says a word, repent. What comes after that word? Can I see it up on the screen? Right. Peter said unto them, there's a comma. And then he says repent and another comma. The word comma means to stop or pause. To think about what is about to be said. I believe when he stood in front of thousands of people. This man said to them repent and then stops and pauses and thinks. What I want you to realize today. This man's life didn't line up with the way our church lives would line up today. He made more mistakes than any man I've ever read in the scripture. I wonder when he stood there that day, he was standing in front of thousands of people. He was representing right now the gospel. He was representing the other apostles. He was standing and representing Jesus Christ. When they asked him, how do we get out of this situation? His words, to repent, to change direction. It is an architectural term, it is a Greek term, and it literally means to change direction. If you go in one route, you change and go another. When he stood there and said, repent. I have the, and I'm not going to say without a shadow of a doubt, but I'm going to be close. I pray one day that I can walk up to this man, and I'm going to ask him this question. What did you think when you said, repent? Because when you go back just a few days before this time of his life, what did this man do? What I love about this man's life, it reflects me in so many ways, and it reflects you in so many ways. This man, only a few days previously, to this day, denied Christ three times. He cussed a little girl out. Blanketing blank, blank, blank. You, Peter, to a young girl. He denied Christ. And if you know the situation where he would have been, Christ was in the court of the Pharisees. So was Peter. He knew that Christ would have been looking at him and listening to him. Watching him deny him. Because on the third denial, when the cock crowed again, he remembered every single word that Christ had told him. You will deny me Peter three times before the cock crows. When he did, it says that Peter wept bitterly and went outside of the city. And he, he had a place and a time on his home where he understood repentance. It's a man that made an absolute deplorable mistake. But when he realized what he had done, I believe their eyes probably could have even met. And I am injecting here. I am just thinking of a situation that what it would be like to actually stand there after you had witnessed all these incredible miracles for three and a half years and then deny him to his face. How, How deplorable that would be. How would you feel? that if Christ was standing in front of you and you denied Him. When you had been up on the mountain's transfiguration and Jesus selected three men, to me, and I don't know, Pastor Dominic, you're the pastor here, just tell me to shut up if you need to, but he seemed to have a little inner circle. He had another two men, there was Peter, James and John, that he, he seemed to bring into some situations that the others never got to. When he was at the mountain transfiguration, you could see that he took Peter, James and John with him. I'm going to diverse. I'm going to diverse. I'm coming back to what I've just said. Have you ever gone into a room and forgot what you were in the room for? And that's another scientific proof. That if you go through an opening... Your, I'm telling you the truth. Your mind changes completely. Hello. <laughs> what are you doing here this morning? <laughs> Your mind changes completely. Because you've actually physically gone through an opening. And when you go through an opening, your mind actually takes, uh, c- takes control for a few seconds. And it allows you to see the room that you're going into. Because it could be a com- completely different geographical location. So your mind changes. It's Hello again. So uh, and what I love about this, this is like repentance. When you go, you're going into another world. So, your mind completely has changed, and the way you do things and the thought of the whole of your life has now changed. It's become a righteous way of thinking, it has become a completely holy way of thinking, separated from the world that you've just come from. So, you're a bunch of sinners, and these are a bunch of saints. Because I've just changed my location by walking through. So, anyway. Sorry about that, but that's that's just for your own another information. So don't think you're losing your brain when you go. Oh, my keys are in the other room, and you walk in the other room and go, "What am I coming here for?" Because <laughs> that actually is what your brain does. I, I do do a lot of reading on this stuff. I, I like it; it kind of helps me. It does. So what what fascinates me? You've got Peter being chosen to see some phenomenal supernatural things. When he stood there and watched Jesus completely be transformed into the glory of who he is. And he sees Elijah and Moses standing there with him. Can you imagine seeing this? I mean, what I like to do when I read the scripture, I kind of do a, a, a positional change. I do a location change. I kind of put myself a little bit behind them and stand there and watch what I would do and what I would think if I was standing on the mount and I could see Jesus in full glory of who he was and Elijah and Moses standing there. I would flip out. Forget them three. <laughs> I'd be doing somersaults, backflips up and down that mountain. I'd be like, oh my God, look at that! (laughs) D-A-U-3, look at this! That's awesome! Wow! This is the same guy. Don't forget who gets to the point where he's going to preach the message of salvation to Israel. Stands there and he looks for a brick. Because he doesn't know what to do, even... Matthew and Mark mentioned this, it's, it's like Peter stood there and he was clueless. Because Peter was clueless, so you realise this, don't you? God didn't choose a theologian with a professor and, and a, a degrees and, and, and he was a, a, a doctor of theology. He was a fisherman. Anybody ever fished? Anybody ever gone fishing? How difficult is it to fish, really? Come on. You get, I can go and get a stick and a piece of wood and, and, and a string and a hook and a bit of chicken or something and I dip it in the water and hope somebody bites it. That's what he was. <laughs> and this is the guy that was going to preach the gospel to the world. So come on don't ever tell me that, oh well I just can't. You're rubbish. Garbage. Sorry, I can't say rubbish. That's English. Garbage. <laughs> If he can use a fisherman, why can't he just use us like he used him? Hold on a minute. Why are we so, our minds are so tiny? This guy, he walked into the court of the Pharisees and told them all about Christ. And they realized, ain't got a minute, this guy's a fisherman. We're the learned men and he's making us feel like idiots. He, he knows what he's talking about because they realized he had spent time with Jesus. He, and I, he really did spend some time with Jesus. I mean, don't forget the guy walks up and, and, and they're walking towards Lazarus' tomb and, and they're walking and... and, and uh, where are we going? We're going to go and see Lazarus. Well, I've heard he's dead, yes. Well, he's sleeping. He's asleep. All right then. And when they get there, they kind of going, he's asleep, he's in a grave. He's, he's been dead for a few days. And then Peter standing there goes, oh, oh, Is it me, Pastor Dominic? But I've got a real strange mind. I, I really would love to have stood there and gone, Oh, oh this is going to be good. <laughs> this is going to blow my mind. <laughs> so you're standing there with the crowd, and Mary and Martha and pa- Pastor, he's been dead for three days. He stinks. He stinks. Well, the fishermen are used to smelly things. So they're like, well, I don't care about that. I just want to see what's going to happen. And then how awesome is this? Jesus just goes, Lazarus, come forth. Now, look, 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 look. This man, (laughs) he's a mummy. mummy. (laughs) He's got a. Well, he wasn't. He didn't walk out and go, "Hello, hey, I'm here today. Look at this. I've been dead for three days. No way in the world, this smelly old corpse is jumping. He's wrapped up. He's bandaged from head to feet. He's been buried in a tomb. I mean, what? do <laughs> you do? You have to grab hold of one of the little bandage ends and spit him on loose. Woo! Can you imagine standing there? And this man jumps out of a grave that everyone knows has been dead for three days. Can you imagine standing there going... (laughs) Do you know who this guy is? This Jesus is the business. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's taught... This is God manifest in the flesh. Only God can do what he does. So this awesome man called Peter. I love Pete because he was an idiot. And we're all sitting there going, well I'm not. not." Yes we are. We are. We think. This man did stuff that I look at and go. I never tried to kill somebody. Have you? I felt like it a few times. <laughs> this is the same guy trying tried to chop a guy's ear off. Rubbish. He didn't try and chop an ear off, he was trying to split his skull apart. The guy just moved his head. But <laughs> well, think about it, he was a fisherman, he won a swordsman. <laughs> he didn't stand there going, What's this? I'm just going <laughs> to chop his ear off. <laughs> he ran at him with a sword. And was going to crush the guy's forehead with the sword. The guard just goes, whoa, what are you doing? Cuts his ear off. And how how horrible would you feel when Jesus bends down, picks the guy's ear up and then puts it back on? You'd feel a right lunatic. Because there you are thinking he's doing right. Because he told Jesus a few days before, that ain't going to happen. They are not going to crucify you. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because you savor the things of men and not of God. The same guy that stands there and goes, I'll stop him. I'll kill him," And he tried. He did say he was going to do that. He didn't kind of just appear out of nowhere and he he said he was going to try and stop them doing but then he said get thee behind me Satan and then a few months before that he's been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven what a luck case the guy's crazy he's been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven and then turns around and says get thee behind me Satan but if you watch all of this what I love about this you talk about pressure All this is happening in front of everybody else. Ooh. We don't like that stuff, do we? For God was taking a man. We're we're helpful. All right, you can be on the boat. Not yet. Let's say this is a journey line from here to the pulpit area. This is where Peter was called. So you're where Peter was called, right? You are right? You good for that? You are? Good. Do you think when Jesus walked up to a boat I've been there in Capernaum on the shores do you think that Peter when he he heard him, follow me, that's all he heard well he packs everything up and followed him I mean we'd be on the phone wouldn't we hey sweetheart, there's a guy here must be to pack the business up sell everything we got and follow him Can you imagine my wife? What about the the mortgage? (laughs) I'm not going to give my car up because you're just going to follow this guy on a whim. Think about it. That's that's his real life, isn't it? I mean, you know, our wives would be like, how are you going to feed the kids? And how are you going to pay for this? And how are we going to pay for that? How is that going to happen? And we're going to lose the home. We're going to lose everything we got. But he just instantly went, Okay. Wraps the nets up and walks away from his livelihood. Do you think when he packed that net up that day, as he turned around, do you think he went, uh, and by the way, everybody in Capernaum, I will one day preach the gospel message to the whole of Israel. And after that, I'm going to preach to the world because I'm going to go to the house of Cornelius and preach the same message to the house of Cornelius so the whole world's going to hear the gospel from my lips. Do you think that's what he felt like when he, with that day when he went? Did, did you think he had a clue what was going to happen to him? Do you feel that he, he, he just was... In, in a place with himself and with God that he went, I am going to follow you and it doesn't matter what I do, what mistakes I make, there is a day coming when Christ said, I need you to learn all your problems and all your mistakes because right down here in three and a half years, there's a day that you know very well called the day of Pentecost and I need you to get from that point to this point because the day of Pentecost is going to bring the plan of salvation to the whole of israel peter and i know we've got a little three and a half journey to to make from that point to this point here you and i are going on a journey do you realize the mistakes that peter made do you realize how many mistakes he made do you but he made mistakes. They were mad mistakes. They were crazy stuff. Jesus, if I live for you, what do I get for it? That's so what he asked him. What do I get if I live for you? Tell me. Well, you're going to judge the rest of the world and you'll have a seat with me in the heavens. You're going to have a mansion that I'm going to build for you forever, supernaturally, and you're going to live forever with me. Okay. <laughs> I can live with that. He asked him questions. Have you ever had a problem in your life and you don't want to forgive the person? Oh, Oh, yes. He said that really strongly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He walks up to Jesus in front of everybody one day and goes, hey, I got a problem. I got a problem with this guy here. Have I going to forgive him seven times? Seven times is good. And Jesus goes, seven times. Try 490 times. How many? Try forgiving 490 times. And what the actual wording is, it is a replication of forgiveness. So in other words, there's no room for bitterness or anger or unforgiveness in your heart. Because you can't forgive somebody 490 times in one second. It would be, a, forgive I forgive you. you can't even do it. So there's no room for this. And so obviously what Peter was doing and what Jesus was doing on this journey to that point was letting him see all the weaknesses in his life. He had anger. He had to deal with it. He was a bit of a prideful. i oh, stop, I'm killing you. <laughs> I'll take them on. I'll do some... Do- Watch this. You, can you see them over on the front row? They're on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Same Peter. There's a storm kicks up, And I did find this out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. I kind of thought, why did you get a storm here? Have you ever seen it? If you've been there, you've got to go to it. It's awesome. It's not, it's not a big lake, it's a river, I call it a sea, but it's a lake. It's not that big. And there's, there's the, like, the island, the Gadarenes are here, and the Capernaum's here. And, and you can literally, I could probably swim across from one point to the next. It's not that big. So I, I asked on the boat when we're sitting there, it was dark at night, and they turned the lights off, that's kind of freaky. He was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. and I ooh. And I was looking in the distance for the little figure to come walking towards me. And I asked, I said, hey, it says in the scripture about a storm that was so violent that it frightened even the men that fished on the sea. And what they said, he said, because it's like a valley, within minutes they can have 30, 40 foot waves appear because a wind can blow across the valley and it will stir the water. up. And he said, they get violent storms in the Sea of Galilee. So I'm like, this is fantastic. I was really getting into it now, but then I'm thinking it's all dark, and if a storm comes up now, I probably will drown. But then I I, I, I thought of this: who, who do you want to be? That's, that you can be Matthew, okay? You be James. Want to be James? Why not? <laughs> Judas. <laughs> He's the only one with a bow tie, aren't he? <laughs> Judas wore a bow tie. Are you a bit greedy with money? Look like Ebenezer Scrooge. Judas. Who do you want to be? John? You look like a John, young enough. You're John. James and John. Judas. <laughs> who did not say you was now? Thank you, Matthew. Keep don't forget oh hang on. Judas's brother. <laughs> Here you go. And what is what is awesome about this? They were frightened, it says, they were frightened of the storm. Fishermen. They're all fishermen. They're all frightened to death of a storm. So I'm thinking, that must have been one horrendous storm for a fisherman that's been there all of his life. To have a fear of what's going on. Something was bigger than normal. And then they freak out because they see, they thought it was a ghost walking towards them underwater. So these, you wimps, (laughs) are all on the back of the boat. No, jeez. But there's one crazy one who goes to the front of the boat and goes, hey! Oh, this is mad, this is. If that's you, Jesus, who else is it going to be? What an idiot. Oh, it's your mum, Pete. You're late for supper. Come on, give me a break. And he looks, and he goes, is, is that you, Jesus? Oh, wow. And don't forget all these knuckleheads are watching, listening to Peter again. Pete, in front of everybody, he's making a complete fool of himself. But there was something in him that he wanted to know. He wanted to know what God wanted him to do. Even though the mistakes he was making. So he stands there and then he says, if it is you, So he still don't believe it. Bid me to come. There was not many words of exchange right here. He just goes. Come. Right. So. I call him Peter for your vocabulary. Peter. Steps off a boat onto water. Now the storm didn't stop. Right. Thomas, that I knew you was one of them. You doubtful little tyke. <laughs> Thomas is going, oh, ah, we standing on some plywood. <laughs> He's got a surfboard attached to the side of the boat. Wasn't you, you little doubter? Matthew, of course, the gossip. You was not nice to Peter. You're the one that wrote, Peter sank. You, you wimp, why didn't you get off the boat with him? But oh no, the gossip of the church. It never wrote... How awesome was it that Peter actually obeyed a command from Jesus Christ and I watched him step out onto the water and he, he didn't sink. But no. <laughs> Gossips have got to go, mm, mm, Peter sank. You're a nasty piece of work, you were, weren't you? No wonder he was a tax collector. Yes, he was a vulture, preying on people's money. What a wonderful group of guys that Jesus chose! You think about it. You know what I mean? An old doubter here, you know. God, man, Judas. Need I say any more? You little lying thief! But these are these are the apostles. Oh, that made you stop thinking, didn't it? These are who he chose. And he chose the nutcase going, hey! If that's you, bid me come. I must be losing my mind. I'm going to step on. If he says, come, hey, you lot. If he says, come, I'm going. And he says, come, so he's on the (laughs) water now. And I'm being funny. If I was on that boat, I'd be on the edge of the boat. (laughs) He's not even hanging on. (laughs) That's some... Hey, you lot, come with me. No, 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 no. He asked you to come, not us. John, you're okay. I know he's John, but John was younger. I can't do that. This is a physical thing I've got going on. So then, (laughs) this is mad. He decides to try and walk on water. He gives it a go in front of everybody. Especially them lot. And he goes, one, two. And on the third step, if there was a 40 foot wave heading in my direction. And I knew in seconds it was going to splatter me all over the Sea of Galilee and probably up the side of a boat. I think he would get my attention too. But what I love about this, it says he, he, he took his eyes off Jesus for one second and began, began to sink. <laughs> I'm going to fight this guy. right. <laughs> me and you are going to have a go. He, he didn't say he sank. He says he began to sink. That could have been an inch. It could have been half an inch. It could have been his little toe going under the water. But no. <laughs> and the awesome thing is, he then realized and looks back and it's Jesus! And he takes hold of his hand. And everything is now stilled. And going I love about it, he went into the storm. Because he knew the one who could control the storm was in the storm. So he now (laughs) I can imagine this. This is awesome. This is. (laughs) Can you imagine being Peter and walking back to the boat? (laughs) Because he how did he get back? Did he just kind of do a Star Trek thing and (laughs) No. He hey Matthew, he walked back to the boat. One, two, three, and up again. (laughs) Hey, I'm back. But these lot... So he made a complete... You was hoping, oh please, I hope he sinks a lot more. Because I'm really convicted right now. I am so convicted that I'm not going to do anything in my life. Apart from gossip about this man. Do you know what you even did again? When they come and arrested Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, guess who wrote that Peter was afar off? Huh? How would he know that Peter was afar off? Because you was even further off. Because you would have had to look from the mountain, look down, and go, "Well, there's Jesus, there's Peter. Look how far away he is." <laughs> So I'm going to kind of close this up. Or I can go and preach all day if you want me to. <laughs> this is what fascinates me about all of this. The sac- I'm, I'll just give you a couple of instances, examples of a man. That Christ called into his kingdom. Do you think that Jesus, every time he made a mistake, went, you're an idiot. That's what the world tells us. I can see Peter. Peter must have had the greatest of understanding of forgiveness and self-doubt. Every time he made a mistake, you didn't see Jesus. I am sick of you. You're an idiot. Everything you do, you fail. Oh, I'm going to choose somebody else. No, he does not. He continued to work with the man as he made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake in front of the church, in front of everybody. He kept making mistakes, but every single time he made a mistake, watch what happens in the scripture, he never made it again. He learned, and that's how we get to the point where we've all got days of Pentecost. We all have days where people need to hear the gospel from our mouths. We're all on a journey, and every one of us has got a day of Pentecost. That God is going to stop you in your tracks, and you're going to have to preach the gospel that you know. He's not going to let you be falling and and weeping and moaning and self-pity parties. Jesus doesn't work like this. Why why would I have to have self-pity when I'm in the kingdom of God? He said, everything that you've ever done, I've forgiven and forgotten it. And the only one that remembers this is you and Satan. So when I go, oh God, do you remember when I did that five years ago? And he goes, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. Everything that you did was better than forgiven and forgotten. It's the, 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 the depths of the oceans. You have, I have no idea. It's as far as the east is from the west. I don't see what you see. So that's why he says, let the mind be in Christ Jesus, now also be in you. He doesn't see what we see. He doesn't act like we act. So there's this Peter from that point to that point. He preached the gospel and 3,000 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost the first time he ever preached. Wow! It's a preaching machine. No, he wasn't. What I know, he preached. I know when he went from here to there, he realized all the mistakes that he had made. And he knew he had no guilt or shame because he knew that God had forgiven him time and time and time again. And he says, rejoice not against me, mine enemy. For when I fall, I will. Arise. I am not going to stay down. Peter understood if I make a mistake or if I fail or have a problem, I am going to get back up again because I don't know what day God is going to call me on the floor. But what's this? What time actually do I have? Don't say that to me because I can talk all day. I'm English, we talk a lot. Uh, my wife went. So let me close, start to close with this. I want to show you something. The Garden of Gethsemane, before the crazy guy tried to chop somebody's head off. Jesus said to James, John, and Peter, would you come and pray with me for an hour? The apostles. The mighty men of God come and pray for an hour Okay. the other nine stay there and off they go and Jesus has this absolute phenomenal time of prayer it says that the blood began to he began to sweat blood and if you sweat blood it means the myocardial sac is broken that holds your heart in place that's the only way blood can get into the sweat glands and then blood would then profusely begin to leak from the glands and through your body. So Jesus now, his heart was breaking. He has got blood coming out of his sweat glands. And he goes up to Peter, James and John and they're asleep. I can't, I can't imagine if God manifest in the flesh asked me to go and pray for him for an hour. And he comes back after 30 minutes and I'm snoring. Anybody struggle praying for an hour? You're in a good company. And then he walks up and goes, couldn't you just pray for one hour? That's what he, that's what he asked him. Can you imagine Pete going, oh God. and he's like, "Oh God, I've let you down again. And he says he goes away and he comes back and he does it two more times and. The third time, they've got sleeping bags, a tent, pillows, hot chocolate. They're absolutely out for the count. And he walks up and he, then he goes, Sleep on, for my time is now at hand. He asked three men to pray for him and they still couldn't do it. Shows how weakness is. But did he turn around then and go, I'm going to kick this guy? No, the good pastor's moving his leg. <laughs> he walks up and he goes, couldn't you just pray for an hour? No. And he knows how weak we are. He knows the frailty of our humanity. And then he says, I'll just keep sleeping. But all of a sudden, into the garden, here you come. The one that I kiss, I'm going to betray my saviour. Arrest the, the one that I kiss... For 30 pieces of silver Apparently 30 pieces of silver is like $28 Cheapskate (laughs) Think about it And then come and arrest him And then you know the story Up comes Peter (laughs) Whack This is the apostle about to preach the day of Pentecost Tries to kill somebody Okay? Has anybody kind of realized that we make mistakes living for God? And God doesn't come down and beat me up and tread on my head and go, You're an idiot. He doesn't. He looks at me and goes, Come on, give me a hand. Rise up again. I got you. I got you. Just stand up again. You're going to make mistakes. And that's okay. As long as you hold on to Him, He'll never let you down. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. We let go of Him. But he never lets go of us. That's why there's never a problem. You can't have problems living for God. Because you're telling God, you've got problems. And he goes, no I don't. You've got the problems, but if you're them to me, you ain't got any problems. It makes sense. It doesn't let us go. We're the one who... The only time you fail is when you don't get back up. Because you can't live for God. You know what? If you don't fail, it means you don't do anything. It means you've never tried. If you have never made a mistake, it proves you've never tried to do anything. I make mistakes every day. And I've learned to do what Peter does. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. Forgive me. I'm here again. The knucklehead from England. He's doing it again. He's made another mistake. But here I am. God, don't let my failures and my weaknesses be a hindrance of what you're trying to do to people around me in the world that I live in. So what's what happens now? How many of the disciples went to the crucifixion? We can give me an answer. How many went to the crucifixion? One. Where was the other one hiding in a house? I like this (laughs) hiding in only what John not you the little fella (laughs) goes with Jesus' mama and the seven times that he spoke one of them was to him because he showed up I think he probably would have spoke to the rest of them too if they would have showed up but he said son here's your mum, mum here's your son Take care of each other. Even in his dying breath, he was still concerned. He was still showing his love to them. His dying breath, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He was dying, they were crucifying him. But where was Peter, the apostle that's about to preach the day of Pentecost? He was hiding in a house. What's this? How many of them appeared at the resurrection? Shout out again! How many of the apostles were at the resurrection? How many apostles were out there watching him come out of the tomb? Zero. Wow! Didn't he tell them in the book of Luke apparently that he, I'm going to die in three days, I'll be rose again? He stood in front of the Pharisees and said, "You take it, you kill this temple, and in three days I'll." Re-. He told everybody. It behoves me to leave this earth. And in three days I'll be back. And he told them, I'll be back. I'm going to come back again. I will be the resurrected Savior. You're going to see me again. And they didn't even show up to the resurrection. This is your apostles. You lot. John, what happened between the cross and the resurrection? It's only three days away. You must have got infected by them. Because you were there going, okay. I'll take care of your Mom. Mom, take care of me. You was there. You heard his voice. And then when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, Mary went down to see if the resurrection was going to happen. She had seven devils cast out of her. She was a prostitute. That lady had had a broken life until she met Jesus Christ. But what happens... She had what in her hands? She had an embalming fluid, the anointing oil, that she'd already poured upon him. She took the rest of him to embalm the body. You know what that tells me? And again, Pastor, if I'm wrong, just just pull me with a big shepherd hook. That she didn't believe he was coming out of the grave because she went to embalm him. So she shows up with doubt. Thomas must have been talking to her. You little doubter. She shows up to embalm the body and then she sees the stone. Nobody was there. Christ came out of the resurrected tomb. All on his own. Because I realized then, he knew the frailty and the weakness of humanity. He knew he was coming out of that grave and no one was going to be there. He knew the fears that would be wrapping around their soul and their spirit and their heart would keep them away. Fear that the Romans would have killed them. But then she stands in front of the gardener. I believe that the gardener, she didn't recognize Christ because he had now come out outside. It was unrecognizable. Don't forget what they had done to him for hours. They had beaten him. They had kicked him. They had spat on him. They had punched him. They had scratched him. They had ripped his beard out of his face. And that's why Isaiah says, when we look upon him, we'll turn away because his his visage will be so uncomely. It actually literally states that when we see him, we will see every scar that they did to him. So when she looks up and she knows what Jesus would have looked like, she mistook him for a gardener because she probably saw a mangled looking face. And she said, where have you laid him? And what I love about this, he just goes... Mary, as soon as she heard his voice oh my God, it's you and what I love about this he called for one of the apostles first he said go and tell Peter and the rest of them that I'm resurrected She runs through Jerusalem, gets to the upper room to the house and she gets in there and and they've got the door just battened down and locked and bolted like Fort Knox. And she's out there. Thank you for the wood. Trying to get into the house. And they are... Hello? He's resurrected. I've just seen him. Peter goes, oh, shut up. Read the book. Translate it into Greek. He was very vehement towards her. No, he hasn't. Yes, he has. And he told me to come and tell you that he is resurrected. Peter takes off and John goes with him. Doesn't say who the other ones are. (laughs) Peter's running down to the tomb. Little Johnny boys chasing him. They get down to the tomb. Can you imagine how Peter feels? He didn't even go to the crucifixion. He denied him three times to his face. He missed his resurrection. And he could stand there going, I have let you down. Every single day, I let you down. Something in this man changed. When he said, go, go to the place where the ascension will happen, 500 people were there.
2: They were there then.
1: Something in their mind clicked, we got to get on board. I think we've gone through enough lessons and enough issues and enough problems and I've made so many mistakes and I've failed that many times. It's time for me to get a grip on me realising full well that God's trying to tell me that I can use you in every single situation. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I care where you're going. I care what your next step's going to be, not your last step because I don't even know what your last step was. And then he says, which fascinates me, he says, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. So there you see he goes to Jerusalem and he takes the rest of them. Peter also, been told twice, his name being called by Christ, go now into Jerusalem. And when you read the book of Acts, right before what the, the original text was here this morning, when you read that, it actually puts him first and in the upper room were Peter. He puts his name first and then the rest of them. And in Acts 1.14 puts Mary, his mother, in the upper room to receive the Spirit of God. It also puts his brothers and sisters in the upper room. And they said there was 120 people. But you can better believe one of them men was Peter, the apostle, who started on a boat three and a half years before. He made more mistakes than you can even imagine. I and mean, if I've just tried to do as quickly as I can, I try to put everything together together for you for this man to stand in front of thousands of people at the day of Pentecost and stand up and say, "Repent because he knew what it must have been to repent the man himself had practiced what he preached he knew I've got to change direction I can't do this anymore I can't act like this anymore I can't be like this anymore I've got to make my mind up if God is forgiving me and God is strengthening me and God is loving me for every single situation in my life please keep standing because there was a day that he not only preached the gospel the saving message that you and I believe and and I pray that have obeyed if you haven't here's the waters of baptism when he says repent and be baptised every single one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ don't that come Do you think when he looked at those people that day he went I do not deserve to stand in front of all of you and be the one that would proclaim this precious gospel don't you think he would have had some reflection when he realized what was going on I don't deserve this none of us do folks none of us do but God's mercy Completely overshadows every single thing and mistake, every circumstance and every situation that you and I could ever be in. As long as you and I just reach back to heaven, take hold of his hand, God forgive me. That word repent, that man understood exactly what he was saying. And then he even tells him to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells them what? For the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That, from that message till today, is still the same message of salvation. So I want you to come, if you would come. Come we have an altar call this morning, Pastor. If you would come out of your seats this morning, are you fed up? Mistakes that you've made. Today is the last day that you're going to let a mistake that you have made be a hindrance between you and what God is trying to do in your life. Would you come to this altar this morning? Would you come out of your seats? Would you come with tears? Would you let the tears of repentance with the tears of forgiveness is there our people in your life and if you don't even feel worthy of doing this if you don't feel worthy of coming into His presence, then something in you has got to change. No, we're not worthy. He's a holy God. But His mercy and His grace that overshadows my mistakes and my issues of life and problems, that's why I can come to an altar all the time, every day of my life. I can come and repent once more. I can come and say, God, forgive me of holding resentment, holding not being able to forgive somebody God you have forgiven so I must also forgive today stop letting the world around you be the hindrance the problem the issue between what God is trying to do in your life just lift up your voice in here today God I am done with the issues I'm done with the mistakes. Forgive me today, God. I'm not letting you be my God. Not letting you forgive me. I don't feel worthy, but he says, yes, you are worthy. Anything in your life right now. Anything in your life that you know that you've got to deal with. It's a weakness. And God said, if you let me deal with your weaknesses, I'll make it a strength of yours instead. No more doubt. No more confusion. No more anger. No more bitterness. I need to live for you, Jesus, because on that day of Pentecost that every single believer have been born to been there, you know what I'm saying for every day we can have a day of Pentecost come on church just lift up your voice come on Jesus that our hearts here, they need to be completely cleared of the past completely cleared of the issues of life There are days that I know, God, that I should have been preaching your gospel. I should have been pronouncing your word. But today, forgive me for the things that I have not done. come on church come on when's the last time you went out and witnessed to somebody and seen them come into the kingdom of God when's the last time that you actually went out